For Wednesday, the 6th of May. Greetings. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm Randy Kure. This is What's Up the Sports Podcast. Hope you and your family are keeping safe and thank you so much for the download. On today's episode, how sports broadcasters are filling their schedules with no sports to show. The Canadian Football League and the newly created Canadian Premier League of Soccer is looking for government assistance as they are more than likely unable to start their respective seasons. Speaking of which, when will the sports leagues either start up again or resume that and a lot more? As always, just a reminder, on Facebook, on Twitter is where you could also find us at What's Up Podcast. So during my last episode, I acknowledged a series of people, members of my family who are essential workers uh, coming face to face with the general public in one form or another. Have to say a special thank you to my cousins, Kirk and Cherie Stapleton from Tampa, Florida. Uh, She's a nurse. He is a firefighter with a specialty as a paramedic. They have two lovely daughters, and I can only imagine the stresses they go through each and every day. Uh, A lot of thanks uh, to them. And also to uh, a dear friend and really the reason why this podcast is so dynamic and a real joy to put out. Uh, He's an associate at St. Joseph's Health Center in Toronto, a father to two lovely daughters, and for the time he donates to this podcast and everything else, I am truly, truly thankful. Uh, What's up, the sports podcast contributor, Tony Antonio is back in the house. Tony, thank you for everything. How have you been? Um, that's awesome. You guys well deserved. It is deserved. I'm not gonna. Oh, no. I'm not gonna front. Uh, I second your motion on your family members and people you know who are involved in uh, the essential working department. It's a difficult time now, um, but hey, it's our jobs. We have no choice, and we do it. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And you know, it really. Uh, I hate. Uh, I hate the term uh, how we take things for granted, but. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to put it out there. I don't know if uh, before this pandemic, I've really taken a heck of a lot of things for granted. But uh, there are a lot of things that we are forced uh, forced to do and forced to um, put up with and just uh, remain as positive as possibly can be. And, you know, for your responsibilities at St. Joe's, uh, there's a lot of. Um, there's a lot of respect that I have to give to people like yourself and uh, grocery store employees, obviously uh, the uh, medical uh, medical personnel who's been, uh, you know, taking this pandemic uh, head on and really trying to find a resolution to that. So, uh, you know, Tony, we're definitely going to talk about sports, uh, but, you know, just have to uh, ask you, you know, with your your role at work and what the scene is like at uh, at the hospital, uh, you know, what is work like uh, since we recognize how serious uh, the coronavirus has become? 
Well, I mean, I guess I should say first, I'm not a nurse or a doctor, so, uh, but I am a porter. Um, I used to be a patient transporter. Thankfully, I've moved over to linen, so I, I, so basically it's about, you know, delivering laundry to units, but now we have, you know, because of the pandemic, we have such a high demand for like, you know, the, the protective gear, so isolation gowns is a big deal, and so we're spending a lot of time working with units on that um, and, and trying to get them a sufficient amount to, to help them through their shifts, their days. Um, but, you know, that's about it. You know, it, it's actually a lot of hospitals than it usually is, believe it or not, because because when the pandemic came on, I mean, it was suggested to people that if you feel the symptoms and you're of a certain age where you can, like, sit at home, isolate, and get through it, um, you shouldn't be coming to the hospital. So from that aspect, it's been, been a little quieter. But, um, you know, in terms of, you know, having to properly, you make sure everybody's properly, uh, you know, wearing the proper equipment while while you're there. Uh, there are a lot of people, you know, it's a, it, it is stressful. It is stressful, you know. Yeah, and, uh, you know. Pressure to ensure everybody's safety and everybody's got ideas. And sometimes you're in a situation where there's, you need to not enough Indians. It, it, that's when it tends to become stressful. So that's where I feel it more in the workplace. I mean, getting up every day and going to work, not a big deal for me. I don't feel the fear like everybody else does, I guess. Uh, I don't walk into work afraid that, hey, I'm going to, you know, contract a virus today or anything like that. So I think that helps, you know. Um, but I, it, I, I really feel for the people who are overcome with the fear because I, I can, I can see whether I can see why it's scary. I work with people who are constantly on edge and this and that. So that, you know, I kind of feel for them more than I feel for myself. I don't feel like I'm doing anything heroic or anything. I'm work. There's a lot of people who come to work with with a tremendous amount of fear over them, and it's it's tough to watch. And it's and, and it's not like you can look at them and criticize them and say, you know, you know, smart math up, you know what I mean? Just you know, be a man, and blah blah blah. You can't do that because it, it's it's all over the place. It's surrounding us. You can't avoid it. It's fear. You watch the news on a constant basis. It's they don't talk about anything else now for obvious reasons. So. Um, there's a mental health aspect to it pay more attention to as well. Yeah, and I mean, for a guy like myself who uh, does, who very, very, very rarely has gone, gone out and been around the general public uh, since uh, my work, for example, has uh, requested us to work from home. I mean, other than a couple of trips to the grocery store and uh, one fast food run that uh, I've, I've been home and it's in, incredibly selfish of people like myself and others who don't have to, uh, you know, face themselves with the general public every single day uh, to say, yeah, uh, well, you signed up for this or, you know, you have to do it. There is a mental aspect that I think a lot of people are really starting to appreciate and really trying to capture what it must be like to uh, be uh, a frontline employee, especially uh, during uh, times of such uh, of such stress uh, as the pandemic has become. Uh, you know, love to get your um, opinion on what the uh, operational standards are like in a, a situation in a in a sorry an environment like 
uh, a healthcare center uh, before uh, I guess March that standards were a certain uh, level. Uh, you know, keeping yourself, uh, you know, washing your hands and uh, whatever the uh, expectations are have really uh, just gone to a whole new level. Uh, in terms of how you operate, uh, or maybe even other departments that you have observed, have you seen uh, your work environment change in terms of how they uh, operate on a day-to-day basis? Uh, the biggest change, I think, has been the way we enter the building, right? Like a, a lot less people are allowed in the building. I think if you're if you're coming in as a couple about to have a baby, I think the father only is allowed, and uh, nobody else is. So when we walk into the building now, when we walk into our respective entrances, we we face a screening situation. So we walk in. There's a lady behind the glass asking if you feel symptoms. Blah blah blah. They, they zap in your work pass, and you move on. For me personally. You know, I haven't changed the way I wash my hands and sanitize and, and hygiene. Like, you know, when you work at a hospital, you know, I, I prior to the pandemic, Randy, I washed my hands uh, more times in a day than most normal people would do in like a week. You know what I mean? So sure. that part hasn't changed. Just you just feel. Tony, you with me? Oh, sorry. No, uh, you uh, broke up there. Sorry. Uh, yeah, you were saying... Uh... I'm just trying to find the right place. But sorry. Yeah. So, like, in terms of hygiene and stuff, nothing has changed for me because working at a hospital, you just you develop the habit of washing your hands. Like like I said, like, I, I probably wash my hands more times in one shift than most people do in a week. I have sanitizer in my car all the time. And that was way before the pandemic. So, again, I, I don't... I don't feel that different in terms of if, is there anything more different. But you, you feel the tension within the hospital for sure. Um, everybody just trying to be extra careful, extra cautious, and most importantly, take care of our patients as best as we can, right? Yeah, and uh, I guess that is uh, one positive that uh, your uh, department didn't have to overhaul its uh, its uh, day-to-day operations and uh, that you know, I can only imagine how uh, sanitary you have to be uh, during each and every uh, shift and uh, throughout each shift. Uh, Tony, you know, as uh, as somebody who is not in the uh, health uh, care industry, I mean, uh, my wife obviously is, uh, you are, uh, what has been your observation of how the province, the country has uh, taking this pandemic on, you know, we could all be critics in uh, some form or another, uh, depending on where you are on the uh, on the left or the right side of the aisle. Uh, you want to take a minute and just uh, talk about what uh, you personally think, maybe even professionally think. You you hit the nail on the head there when you said left and right side, because I think this, in many ways, has become political now, and I've been intrigued with following this stuff from a news coverage point of view like i'm not a political guy at all randy but just watching how the two sides and especially in america you know it's a whole different ball game as we know i'm never be, I, I will never be the guy to second guess what our leaders have done because this is a different animal right i mean it's just I, I, just think about it this way on march the 7th we were at demo field watching a game with twenty thousand plus people right mm-hmm. and 
we were kind of joking around and we didn't know, you know, three days later, March the 10th, I'm working the Tampa Bay lightning Toronto Maple Leaf game at Scotiabank arena. They added hand sanitizer to it. They, you know, they gave us a little bit of a pre-shift on what to do, different practices, make sure they're not, you know, we're washing our hands. So all this stuff happened within a span of four or five days. The next night, you know, you have an NBA player who tests positive, and everything went haywire after that. Everything had to be shut down. And I don't have a problem with it. I, I thought it was necessary at the beginning to just, you know, do the social distancing thing, have people shut down for a couple of weeks. And that's how I looked at it, you know, two, three weeks. But personally, I think it's gone way too far. Personally, I think the more we know now, the more there is a way to you know, to get people back into a normal life. And as long as we protect our most vulnerable, find a way to do that, you know, the sweetest model, if you will. But I, I won't be the guy to second guess how our leaders have handled this. And the problem is now, when you have that kind of opinion, you're deemed insensitive, you're deemed, you know, oh, you know, you want people to die. You hear all that crap. And that's just not the case. I think, what we've learned since is that, you know, the people who are dying, the large percentage of people who are dying with COVID-related, uh, what have you, are our most vulnerable people, you know, senior citizens, over 80 years old, people with bad immune systems, you know, cancer, diabetes, different things like that. So I hope that we can move on now and find a way to start easing our way back into some sort of normalcy. Yeah, you know, and it's funny that you, and I totally respect uh, what you're saying, and there is a part of me that <laughs> does agree with uh, your sentiment. I mean, I don't think that, uh, I don't think that there are, uh, that we are at a point where we can have uh, stadiums full of people, as you mentioned, and I was going to bring up uh, how we were at the TFC game on the 7th of March, and uh, the day after I was at uh, celebrating my father-in-law's birthday, uh, at a restaurant, uh, the, the reality is, is that, I mean, yeah. And you mentioned how senior citizens are the most vulnerable, but then there are for every hundred or so, or 200, uh, senior citizens who have succumbed to this disease, that there are able-bodied 30 year olds. Uh, there was a, a one-time, uh, athlete, uh, you know, a, a member of the Oakland athletics who passed away at the age of 30, 10 years younger than me. So, uh, you know, should schools, uh, go back and, and, uh, reopen? Personally, I'm, I'm of a different uh, opinion, whether you think uh, schools should, uh, reopen specifically. And the fact that uh, you have a different opinion is something that I, for one, can respect. What I don't uh, uh, have any time for is the accusations of the other side uh, doing A, B, and C, and here is the alleged proof. And I, I think that the extreme accusations, as opposed to just, uh, just simply respecting somebody else's uh, point of view. I, I mean, I think that's the huge disconnect. And, uh, you know, I think it would be a wonderful, wonderful day when we can get to that point where somebody just has a different opinion and you can just uh, respect it and have a chat about it. But, uh, hey, that day will come. Uh, 
that day will come soon. Anyway, Tony, uh, why don't we talk a, a, a little sports? And uh, hey, what do you want to talk about? You want to talk about how I missed the Pittsburgh Penguins? You want to talk about how I missed going to Beatmore Field? By the way, if they gave me the option tomorrow to go to Beatmore, and I'll ask you this question. Sorry to interrupt, but I was like, this is something I've had some I've had some arguments with friends about this, and they think I'm crazy. Right on. Okay. If they gave if they gave uh, MLS is back or whatever, Leafs are back. You can go. Would you go and watch the game? Would you go sit in the stands and watch the game? No, no, I wouldn't. And I I do it in a heartbeat. Okay, fair enough. And uh, I think that, okay, let's take a look at it this way. And I'm no uh, mathematician here, but if you had 1% of 20,000 people uh, fall ill, uh, okay, let's say that they, uh, like 1% of 20,000 people uh, succumb to, or, uh, you know, actually, no, just simply contract coronavirus. And one percent of that one percent die from coronavirus. Uh, you know, you're you're going to get it. in in any other sense, it's a tragedy. So if two people from twenty thousand were to die because they go to a sporting event, it'd be front page news, right? So I mean, in that sense, no. I mean, I wouldn't go. And actually, it's it's funny you mentioned that. I so I, I was having a conversation, and what I was planning to do with a friend of mine was to go to a couple of Canadian Premier League soccer matches, uh, York 9, Forge FC, make a good weekend out of it, and, uh, you know, just uh, just rock out and enjoy the, uh, enjoy the long weekend. And uh, obviously that's not going to happen. And, uh, you know, we're definitely going to get to uh, how the league should operate and uh, what, what uh, scenario you think is uh, the best. But you would actually go, huh? You would... Uh, go to whatever your seat is, or front row, uh, front row center at uh, at the Raptor game, whatever the case. Listen, eventually, you got to put it in the hands of the people to be smart, right? And if you choose to go, you've got to be smart about it. You've got to you got to do your distancing thing. Look, you know, I, I understand that going to sporting events is a different animal right now, and that's that's gonna it's gonna be a while before we attend sporting events. I get that. I, it's it's impossible to social distance in that manner. I'm just. I'm just telling you, if I was offered the chance to go in a social, you know, like if, if you're going to start up with 20% of the crowd, let's say, season ticket holders, and say, you have a chance to go, you're going to, your seat, your buddy's going to sit three, three or four seats away from you. Well, yeah, I'd go. You know, I wouldn't go visit my parents for the next couple of weeks, obviously. Sure. You know, and I, I, if, I worked, <laughs> if I worked in a nursing home, I'd be like, um, just to let you know that I was, at a soccer game, so, you know, you get tested, you do your thing, but, um, you know, we have to slowly, in my opinion, get to that point where you're overcoming that fear, you know, that the chances of us dying from coronavirus, guys like you and me, are virtually none, unless we have some pre... I I would go, uh, I, I wouldn't say none. I wouldn't say none. I mean, you no, know, wh- uh, whatever. Like, I'm, I'm in my, f- I'm 40. I'm uh, maybe a couple years younger than you. Don't really, didn't really have a healthy lifestyle. Although I've been hitting the exercise bike pretty consistently over the past couple of weeks. But you know, I am not an elite athlete at all. But actually, you know, it is something. I, I there, there is a question that has come to my mind. Uh, so you're a season seed holder for Toronto FC, and. Amongst everything else, your love of soccer, the success of the team, etc. I'd have to think that part of the value for you to continuously be a season seat holder is the crowd. 
So you don't think a 50 or 40% capacity BMO field is kind of lessening the value of your season seats? I don't know. Well, I mean, I don't know if it's lessening the value of my I'm sure I know that I'd be sitting there in the atmosphere would suck. Like, you know, I, I don't like it. Like, I can't wait till we get to that point where we have like a full crowd again. But I don't think it'll lessen um, my value as a season season holder. If anything, it might <laughs> it might increase the value because like if if I'm a guy that gets the opportunity to go and I say, yeah, you know what, I want to come. I'll, because let's face it, when we first get back to that, I'm pretty sure there'll be a lot of people who will refuse to go, who will be too scared to go, right? Perhaps. And I, but I mean, uh, I, if there's the possibility of there's no fans in uh, in sporting events for the entire calendar year, and that they actually start doing it in 2021, I mean, that could be a different story. A different story in terms of well, I mean, uh, just uh, in terms of uh, bringing everything back, right? So uh, soccer was in its uh, second week, I guess, and hockey was in its, uh, what, two-thirds of the way through. But let's say that uh, hockey and basketball, they don't uh, bring fans back in until the following year. Baseball, they don't have fans, period, throughout the entire season. Same with MLS. Uh, that maybe the first uh, event uh, where they have fans is the now 2021 Euro Championships, which was supposed to, of course, be this year, and maybe the Olympics as well, which is now next year instead of this coming summer, right? Uh, it, it, it's it's just absolutely fascinating. Nobody has ever experienced anything like this. And we don't have any idea of uh, what uh, the plan is. And uh, now we're seeing that uh, the Korean Baseball League is starting to play in uh, in empty stadiums and such. But um, we'll definitely get to that in a minute. Uh, Tony, I, I do have to ask. Uh, now, uh, with that said, and fascinating uh, fascinating topic, by the way. Uh, you know, kudos uh, bringing that up. I want to ask you, like, it, it, it's been close to a couple of months. Uh, have you uh, been able to fill your lack of sports consumption, consumption? Have you replaced it with something else? Have you... Uh, are you watching um, classic games from years past? Well, what have you been up to? I have not watched. I mean, there's only there's only one thing I've watched. It was uh, like a 2017 recap video of the Penguin Stanley Cup run. I haven't, <laughs> obviously, but I haven't watched anything else really. Like I, you know, I've managed to fill the void with. We've watched a lot of Netflix stuff, um, but no, I I haven't watched any old sports stuff at all um and to be honest it sucks it absolutely sucks i, I miss it well I, so uh and, and not to mention that i work i actually leave the house and go to work so there, there there hasn't been the need to fill the void during the day that's for sure yeah no i hear you i mean i'm working from home but yeah it's uh i mean yeah, you want to do everything you can to try and bring some revenue to the company for sure and the fact that you're essentially having more responsibility um, for yourself uh, and your uh, job. I can appreciate that. I have to say that I do, uh, I guess it's force of habit, still flip it to TSN and uh, to Sportsnet. Uh, I'm not really interested in watching ESPN Sports Center and 
hey, for obvious reasons, I'm not American and I just don't feel the attachment to the NFL or MMA or whatever they're uh, throwing on. But I do have to say, I was really captivated. There was a couple of uh, games that I did enjoy. And uh, the year one uh, Toronto Raptors game where they beat Jordan and the Bulls at Skydome was something that uh, I, for one, really enjoyed. Yeah, it just reminded me of uh, the new uh, Toronto basketball team that uh, came to this city, and obviously with Vancouver as well, uh, starting in the same time. And it, it was really uh, great to see. Now, I, I mean, I'm just throwing this out here uh, that if, because I know you have ethnicity, uh, your lineage is from Cyprus, but like, let's say that Greece and Portugal played, uh, they showed the Euro final. I, it, I'm assuming, uh, is it fair to say that you were? cheering for greece yeah no no <laughs> oh you don't okay okay i thought yeah, you know if it was cheer for them i just wasn't you know i've always been a guy that considers you know cyprus my country of origin not greece but i realize that we speak greek it's the same thing kind of but okay you know, but you you don't turn greek for like five weeks or whatever and then become cypriot again you I, don't do that i'm more likely to turn dutch for four or five weeks during a, a world cup tournament than i am greek to be honest is, with you. is your girl dutch is she dutch she yeah. has some dutch in her yes but uh, no i've always been a fan of oh you've been a fan of holland okay okay i, w- I was wondering if you did like what i did and became an italy fan because of my wife's well, you know, growing up, Canada made the World Cup once, Cyprus never did, so you had to find your other country, so it was the Dutch for me. Well, Canada and Cyprus have scored the same amount of goals in the World Cup, so, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that being what it is. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Tony, with that said, like, uh, uh, there has been a couple of uh, stories that have uh, come up, uh, obviously, uh, because of the pandemic. And really interesting, out of the both the Canadian Football League as well as the uh, newly installed Canadian Premier League of Soccer, they are asking for government assistance due to the pandemic. Uh, it's been reported that the CFL has requested $150 million in assistance that to operate for the entire year and the cpl is apparently asking for 15 million dollars for what they call short-term assistance um when you first heard this uh what was your reaction and i guess Um, better question should they get it (laughs) the cpl i'm i'm not sure yet because it's very new obviously it's only one year in um, I, I, you know, I can't see a scenario where the government is going to feel for them, but the CSL, I could totally see how, you know, the government needs to kind of support it. It is the fabric, one of those, it's one of those niche things, fabric of our country that we can't turn our backs on here in Toronto, you know, absolutely invisible and meaningless to us. But when, when you think about what, the CFL means to so many different communities in this country. Um, it, it, uh, I think we have to look at helping them. I mean, I don't know if that amount is realistic, but there's got to be some way we can assist that league to keep it afloat. I, I think it's important. Um, 
I mean, we're helping everybody else out, for Christ's sakes. Why not just help the Canadian Football League as well, right? And I, I think uh, one thing that we should definitely uh, identify and respect to the fact is that the C, the CPL, the CFL, is not the NHL or the NBA. These are not, uh, this is not a league. Both of them are not leagues uh, that are making hand over fist uh, in terms of revenue. I mean, they're... There's been a, a lot of uh, times where, especially the CFL, has uh, been in very, very uh, dire shape. But uh, and I can I can get the fact that the Canadian Premier League is a new organization. It's only in so many communities, um, and maybe I am biased to uh, the Canadian Football League, especially uh, living in Toronto and in the Toronto area. But as a whole. I think that there is a lot more value in keeping the CPL alive because out of all Canadians, people around me, a lot more kids are into soccer. They're not into football. Mm -hmm. And with respect to uh, Rough Rider fans and Blue Bomber fans, whoever, the Canadian Football League only exists and their elite players are not even Canadian. I don't know... Any child, I haven't come across a single child in my life that has been involved in a football program other than in high school, and they have zero experience in playing football. It's because we live in Toronto, right? And and I think that's where I was going with this. There's those communities we talk about, like you said, Saskatchewan, Alberta, you know, Manitoba, it's so important, and there's a huge, huge, huge amount of people who are supportive. But I, you know, there, there's so many more important things to worry about at this time. I understand that you know these these barely watched leagues are, are you know are, are in are in the conversation. But I, money talks, and I think the CFL generates a lot more revenue um, across the country. The TSN for you know, there are people that watch the CFL, but we just don't see it because we live here. So I, I think they would probably lean more towards it. It's not necessarily, you know, the players who are playing in the league where they're from, I don't think is is, is as important as, as history of, of the respective league. So, you know, it's a tough one. I, I don't know. I don't know if either league will get assistance at this point, but if I was to choose one, I'd, yeah, I'd probably go with the CFL. Yeah, no, I, I could I, I could appreciate that. I do want to, uh, I do wonder, as you mentioned, how uh, football may be uh, a part of the culture in, uh, in the prairies and so on, but what is the soccer community like? What is, I, I can imagine that there is some sort of uh, recognized program, uh, soccer program in, uh, in Saskatchewan and so on. There is a uh, there is uh, two uh, clubs in the Canadian Premier League for uh, the CPL, and I have to say I don't know how closely you've been following uh, the the Canadian Premier League, but I have to say they have a pretty decent following. I all, all uh, from uh, from people who are uh, in uh, the sports uh, commentary market, they really have a lot of positive things to say about the first year of the Canadian Premier League. And hey, as we were talking about uh, Canada's men's soccer team and program, it is imperative that they have a domestic league like the CPL. I, you know, with the CFL, that's it. I mean, there there is no uh, there is no upside to having 
the CFL because there is only uh, one uh, one way to go, and that's to the NFL. And how many people actually get there from Canada? Uh, Canadian kids who are uh, able to uh, get a scholarship go to the United States. University, uh, I mean, university sports in this country is what it is, but... It, it, I, I really do hope uh, that, obviously, I don't want to uh, see a, something as historic as the CFL, uh, you know, go away. Uh, the Grey Cup, uh, Grey Cup weekend is uh, is really great. And uh, yeah, I, I remember being in Vegas, and uh, I don't know if I told you the story. I was in Vegas during Grey Cup weekend, and uh, there was a sports book uh, at the hotel I was staying at. And my buddy and I went uh, to put some uh, bets down and, and enjoy a Sunday afternoon. And the biggest TV screen they had, lo and behold, was the Grey Cup in Vegas. So uh, there is something to it, and uh, you know it's a great. Televised in the states every year, we know that, right? Like it's it is televised in the states, and I agree with you. Like overall, in the grand scale, like if you if we look into the crystal ball, look into our future, and see what what's going to be more relevant down the road in our lives, you know, before we pass away, you know, soccer will probably take over the landscape. I think, you know, basketball's got a shot. Um, you know, obviously hockey will always be hockey. Um, but I, I'm just talking about history. Like, I know what you're saying, and I'm, I'm thinking more about, you know, from, you know, 100 years of a league, that I can't see the government, you know, just allowing it to die. It, it just wouldn't be a good look overall. So, I don't think they need to have a choice. You know, I think the CPL will be fine, especially because they've got such low operating costs anyway, and they, you know, they have season ticket commitments, and they could probably, you know, get through it. Um, but I, I don't know. That's, that's a tough one. I, you know, I, I, I have no idea. It's damned if you do, damned if you don't. I guess. Yeah, it's uh, there hasn't been a decision made uh, in terms of. Uh, what the federal or even provincial governments will do with regards to the CFL or the Canadian Premier League. However, uh, there has uh, uh, there was a story that was uh, reported that uh, members of the Canadian Women's Hockey League has raised criticism uh, that should a bailout take place or any sort of financial assistance uh, for uh, the CFL or the CPL that... Uh, they didn't get any assistance uh, during their uh, final season of operation. Uh, one former player did uh, say that uh, they were uh, asking for peanuts compared to especially the $150 million bucks that the uh, CFL um, has uh, requested for. Uh, Tony, what did you think uh, about this? Uh, in, obviously, hey, hindsight is what it is. Uh, is there a point there in terms of should... Uh, the federal government have stepped in for, I guess, the CWHL. Hope you enjoyed part one of this edition of What's Up the Sports podcast. The second half of this episode will come at you at a later date. Love to hear from you at What's Up Podcast, either on Facebook or Twitter. That, of course, is with one P. I'm Randy Kure, and we'll talk to you soon.